Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out. No house payments for two months at savewithconrad.com. What's up, Airheads? Welcome back, everybody. We're in the virtual Airstream studios. I'm Chinox Cordy. Hey, buddy. Uh, I, I wanted to start. I know it's totally unnecessary, and I don't know what kind of feedback we got off of it because, you know, you to you to keep rid of feedback or whatever. But, right. like, last week, whole world captivated by the Titanic sub situation, right? And we, we recorded. I'm just now getting over it myself. We recorded earlier in the week than we normally do. It had literally just became a story like the day we recorded. And so I listened to the, that part of the episode again to see, I was like, I wonder how like off we were. And it's so we weren't off about everything, but like, um, uh, like I felt like it was weird listening to the episode after knowing what had happened to him. And mm-hmm. in the episode, we never even brought up the possibility of like implosion or none of that type of stuff. It was all like, yeah, they're either floating on the surface somewhere or they're stuck alive beneath the briny deep and all this stuff that like, by the time it came out, everybody knew weren't the case. And I just felt sort of weird about it, but yeah, dumb felt sort of dumb about it. I just want to remind everybody that the context in which we recorded that, but it was like, it's funny. It was just a matter of days, but it was already horrifically out of date by the time. It's so weird too. Cause like, I feel like I knew the whole time that there was a possibility of implosion. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that, like, I learned that the second we stopped recording. Because, it, you know you know what I mean? Because, like, I don't know. I, I just, I felt like I knew that shit. But, like, this is, and I would like to apologize because this is, in my knowledge, the first time on this show that we have ever gotten 
a sing a thing wrong. Wrong. <laughs> like yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like usually I'm we are just the harbingers it. of truth and accuracy. Uh -huh. And I feel horrible that we've let our fans down. And uh, now that uh, pure, pure um, correctness will not be our legacy. I know it is a shame, but you know it had to come to an end sometime. Our uh, streak, our our campaign of yeah honesty and accuracy. But what are you gonna do? Speaking so, yeah. of what are you gonna do? What are you uh, what are you gonna talk about today? I'm gonna talk about one Hetty Green, aka the Witch of Wall Street, aka the richest bitch it ever was. Okay, well that's yeah. wild. I don't know nothing about. It. I didn't know that. When what? Like what time frame was this? Civil War. <laughs> what? I did Dude, not. I, know. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know they allowed women to do any of that. And I, I meant like before now. 1982 or yeah. whatever, you know. No, it's crazy, dude. Uh, Okay. Well, goddamn. Yeah. That sounds wild. Um, I don't really know what I'm talking about. Uh, That's good. We'll just, yeah, sort of find it along the way. I've got a number of random things. You ever see somebody's got a job and you like, how do what job? How'd that job be? You know what yeah, I mean? Um, like, dude, honestly, especially in the industry that we work in, a ton. Yeah. But yeah. out, but like, dude, I, there's so many times that I'm on a set doing something that somebody will say their title, and I'm like, I, I don't even have a fucking clue. But yeah, in the world, like, especially in the world of like finance, you know, like, there's so many things, and I, I can't give you an example off top, but like, that if you put, if you told me what their job title was and put a gun to my head and said, name three things that this motherfucker does on a day to day basis, you'd have to blow my brains against the back of the wall. Yeah, I'm now realizing it's a couple of different things. Some of them are like jobs where it's like, I get what the job is, and I'm just utterly fascinated by how you, find yourself having that job mm -hmm. then there's another category for which i still am fascinated by how you find yourself having that job but also i'm like how is that a job itself right. in the first category for example like i think somebody like uh like you know like a stunt man or something yeah. right like i get what a stunt man do but how do you like fall into stuntman and no pun intended well i mean the pun was a little bit intended i knew that it was coming but so like how you know how that work i'm glad that you brought that up uh the only because i i actually can now add to my multi-hyphenate stunt driver uh because i did some of that this weekend and do you know trey and this blew my mind that the only requirement do you know what the requirement for being a stunt driver is don't be blind a driver's license like that's yeah. it like that's you know that's it is a driver's right. license but yeah i'm with the, the only thing i can like I, I don't know about stunt man but stunt driver i kind of get because it's like okay you're a kid and you're fascinated with cars and you want to drive but maybe you weren't good enough for nascar so like that's the route you took but like but how do you take that route what do you I don't do? know you come to Hollywood and you like hang around sets and you're like, Hey, I can drive just so you yeah, know, like, yeah, you want to come watch me, you know, fucking cut some donuts in that parking lot over there. Right. I can, you know, let me kind of prove it to you. Watch me drift a little bit. Like, I don't, I feel like it's gotta be every, it, it's always like, it's all about who, you know, I feel like so many of those jobs are like, Oh yeah. People had family members or friends of family or something that did it. And then they yeah. got into it that way and like learned on the job how to do that stuff. But even that's like, there had to be a first one at some point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Where did I that mean, person it, come from? Like, it was it, like, they're making silent films and 
they need to throw somebody off of a yeah. building or whatever. And there was, you know, oh, some, this guy can fall. some slack jawed grip standing there. And yeah. He's like, I'll do it. Right. Yeah. Right. And then now like, and now that dude's great grandkids are still out here doing it or, you know, I mean, yeah, what? Yeah, because no, because that's a great point, because the difference in stunt driver and stunt man is like you get how someone gets to be good at driving. We all have to drive. But like, when was the moment that someone was like, holy shit, I'm really good at making it look like I just got hurt, but I didn't actually get hurt. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like you watch some of these movies with these stuntmen and like, Dude, they're they're falling downstairs and like tumbling downstairs and like you know like don't get me wrong I'm certain that they're sore just like a normal person but it's like they're not going to the hospital for two weeks like I would have otherwise they would spend their entire life in the hospital like they know how to fall and there's only one way to get good at anything and that's by fucking putting your ten thousand hours in you know yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's odd, but on the other, in the other category of like, not only do I not understand how you come to find yourself doing that job, I'm also like, how is that a job? Right. Uh, and very P on brand for POA. Do you know that water sommeliers exist? Get the fuck out of here now. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you this. There's only one water that when I drink it, I go, I don't care for this water. And that's like, and I don't think we're sponsored by them, but like Dasani, I can definitely tell a difference between Dasani and all the other waters. But after that, it's water. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I agree. He's uh, the main guy. His name's Martin Reese or right R I E S E. Reese, he's, yeah. But he's been on uh, like nat geo and shit like that and he's uh he's a water sommelier and if you like let's see here yeah it's a, there's a like a youtube video on that on nat geo's youtube page says he tastes water like some taste wine um it should be pointed out that those people are full of shit and we've proved it on this show right uh BuzzFeed did a thing where they found some water lovers for him, and he got 15... So this is the type of stuff he brings to the table, literally. He brought some 15,000-year-old iceberg water. So, <laughs> Like from like from Waterboy? That's a part of the plot of Waterboy. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's got the, he got that good good, I guess. Uh, he, like... <sighs> He's got like you can sign up. You were I don't think he had many takers. God damn it, where did it go? I can't find it now. He had a place on here on his website. Well, while you're looking for it, um yeah. I'll I'll posit to you that like obviously what it is that he's doing is like he can taste and discern the different minerals that are in certain types of water. Is yeah. that it? Like he can taste something and be like, ooh, this one's very rich in iron, or this one has because like you know, mineral water is a thing, and I didn't really – I'd always heard mineral water my whole life and never even really thought about what the fuck that meant. Um, but, like, yeah, there's some people that, like, they will only drink mineral water. It's like water, you know, just plain water that don't have any minerals in it. Like, what good is that? And it's like uh, to hydrate you and to refresh you, I guess. But So I guess he can taste like the rocks. I guess so, yeah. And I found I did find there's an article with him or like written by him, I guess, that kind of explains how he came to be a water sommelier. And this is what I'm saying. Like these people, they always like 
I feel like you look into it, and essentially the answer is like they fell bass backwards into uh, it at Kramer. some point. Right. So it's he says in 2005, I took a job in Berlin at a Michelin starred restaurant. And one night a guest came up to me and said, so, Martin, you have over fifteen hundred different wine labels, but just one water brand. I don't like that water. What else can you offer me? I looked at him and realized in the restaurant business, it's all about options. And while we offer a selection of liquors, beers, and wines, when it comes to water, it's just sparkling flat or tap. Not even the brand of water is given. It occurred to me that we have to give people options when it comes to the healthiest beverage on this planet. And thus, I created my first water menu. The first floor water menu debuted in 2006. Uh, since then, I've exhaustively read and studied water. In 2009, I wrote a book <clears> called <throat> Die Welt ist Wassers, which translates to <laughs> which translates to the world of water. I just, uh, we should we should speak German. We need to both yeah. learn it and be fluent in it. Like, can you imagine how many more arguments we would win in, with our wives if we spoke fluent German? You can't touch that shit. Uh -huh. Like, if you get if you get cussed out in German, you're fucking going home. This is barely related. You mentioned us speaking German and our wives, and it reminded me, I'm uh, of English descent. Right? I did that 23. Mm -hmm. I always I knew that about myself, and then 23 and me confirmed it. I'm like, I'm like 51 percent English, and I'm 49 percent other types of white people. Yeah. You know, uh, trash. Yeah, most yeah, it's like fifty one percent English and then like thirty something percent Scotch or Irish or whatever, and then like very small percentages of like spaghetti people or frog people. Right. Or you whatever. definitely got some spaghetti people in you because of the, like your I don't know you kind you look Greekish and Italianish in a way. You your think hair so? color, yeah, just the way that you're just the I way that you be, or Iranian. You could be Iranian. <laughs> And this a is also, bit. we don't, what about a Jew, Jewish? Jew, yeah, Jew too. You got some Jew. See, I've, and I mean I've that been, in a good way. Yeah, Love yeah, Jews. no, I've, I've been told that before, but apparently uh, not a lick of Jew in me. Uh, really? According to 23andMe anyway, yeah, no Jew. But well, like, according to the internet, you're 100% Jewish. I know, yeah, right. Yes, I've <laughs> been accused of being a secret Jew on many occasions. But like, even like fans of mine have have told me, uh, like I remember a dude, speaking of spaghetti people, a dude in New Jersey specifically who was a fan after a show was like, and this is pretty much, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's pretty right much there. how he talked. Yeah, right. He's like, he's like, he's like, you know, you don't really look like a redneck to me. You look like a nebishy Jew. That's what yeah. you look like. And I was like, thank had, you. Had to say <laughs> nebishy. Nebishy, couldn't, yeah. Couldn't just say you look like a Jew. It's a specifically yeah. you look like a nebishy Jew. Is that a slur? <laughs> yeah. Nebishy? I don't know. Let's look it up real quick. I yeah, feel like they even sell. They use it. Of course, I mean, you're allowed that, to use right, words exactly. about your uh, You know, we're always here. trying to add to our Rolodex of slurs. So it's just so funny. I, when he said it, <laughs> I was just like, I was like, yeah, I do kind of look like that. I hear because it. it's like I, I people. It, I've never heard anyone else described as nebishy other than a Jewish person. Have you? Me either. That, no, right. that's why I'm thinking it's a slur. So I just, in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, a little Woody Allen-y or yeah. whatever, which is Nebuchy. not like uh, you don't want that um, yeah. you know, nowadays. <laughs> but anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's nebishy I never actually in my looked brain. It up. Okay, I just now looked it up, and the definition of it is, of nebish, is a person, especially a man, who is regarded as pitifully ineffectual, timid, <laughs> or submissive. So, yeah, I'd say it's pretty... You know, it's, bad. Yeah, uh, but but, so you're, but now you're, I'm like retroactively pissed off about I it. I bet that guy. Time. 
I, I, I thought it just meant kind of like nervousy or yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know which what I, I mean? Do. Like, like has a nervous energy about but, you, which I mean, I do. But you're right, though, in that I've never in my life heard anyone go, oh, he's a nebbishy Italian man or he's a nebbishy what? It's always a nebbishy Jew. Yeah. And it's like, and, and to me, and I've heard Woody Allen described that way. And I was like, okay, so, you know, Woody, Woody Allen's got that it's, for sure. It's because, and, it, that apparently is because it's it's specifically... Nebish derives from a Yiddish word, nebuch. Okay. Nebuch. Uh, yeah, you got to clear your throat when you say them Yiddish words, meaning poor or unfortunate. Um, the journey from Yiddish to English wasn't accomplished in a single bold leap, but over many, many years. So it's like a Jewish, it's of Jewish origin, the word hey, speaking of, is. Hey, speaking so. of Jewish people, I would like to uh, say happy birthday. Today, as we're recording, is Mel Brooks's birthday. Our good buddy Mel Brooks. Made How old it is he now? Hundred? Oh, he, he was, he'd have to be, because he was like 96 when we hung out with him. So he's yeah. definitely at least 100. So yeah, happy birthday to, in my opinion, the best to ever do it in the comedy entertainment world, uh -huh. Mel Brooks. Uh, now back to Jew stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Nibish is like, it's of Jewish or Nebish. Sorry. I saw Yiddish and Nebish at the same time. Nebish is of a Jewish origin as a word, the etymology yeah, and, of it. So, and you do look that's nervous why. in front of crowds and stuff, I guess, because we're both kind of that way, but I don't see you as a pitiful person. Like that's, <sighs> right. that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. I remember I've told this story before on here, but it's like, uh, if anything, you're a hitting Jew. This dude said, the dude in uh, when we did those shows in London, he was talking about how like how different he noticed I was on stage and off stage. I didn't know this guy was yeah. watching me, but he had saw me on stage and then stuck around and watched me just like live in the world <laughs> after that. <laughs> Do not recommend. I didn't, I didn't know anyone was doing. Yeah, and uh, and he was like an Irish guy, and he told me that and he was like, you know, you had a great stage presence and you did a great job up there, and you're very funny and all that. And, but I've seen you, you know, around here since, and I've noticed you're obviously a very, uh, a very, what the fuck, a very, um, nervous, nervous was one of them. Serious, quiet. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if it was serious skittish? or not. It was something, it wasn't skittish. It was, you're obviously a very serious, fuck. You what know what the, though? It was another word. It was something. And he's like, you're, all, you're, you're obviously a very serious and nervous person, but I don't think it was serious though. I think it was like. <laughs> wasn't scared the, or nothing like that. It was like, um, I've never met a comedian, by the way, whose on stage personality wasn't, I'm not going to say totally the opposite of them in real life, but like when you're on stage, you, that's the most confident that you can be. If you weren't confident, you wouldn't be the fuck up there. But like, then when you get in front of everybody and you're not on stage, especially after you perform, like you're kind of like, you know, looking over your shoulders and like, well, oh, you've am had I in all the right that spot? adrenaline rushing yeah, through dude. your blood, your veins. And then, and then after there's a weird kind of like come down period or whatever. Yeah. And it's, odd. uh, it's very naked feeling when you go back into the crowd and you've done a thing because like, you don't know every single person you see, it's a possibility that they hated you. And like, you know that, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, Dale says apparently Mel Brooks is 97. Okay. BPP he, says he's 97. Okay. Happy birthday, Mel. Happy 97th. Yeah. Uh, 
anyway, maybe it was serious. You're obviously a very serious and nervous person. I know he said some, serious. Yeah, well, th- I know he said nervous, so it was serious yeah. and nervous person. Anyway, and he was kind of fascinated by that. But, uh, but yeah, so, and I know I'm that way. So when the dude said nebishy, I just interpreted it that way. But then actually looking up the definition for the first time, fucking pitifully ineffectual, timid, or submissive is, Don't hit. you know. Not a good look, but uh, um, that ain't it. Well, it's possibly the um, New Jersey man didn't quite know the definition yeah. of it either. Yeah, he was a spaghetti person, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, he, he don't was. know G words, but uh, <laughs> or he's aware of them, but he don't know what they mean. Possibly, yeah. I don't know. Just anyway, like yeah, right. Well, um, that was fuck. How did I even get to that? I'm all we over, were talking like, about jobs, uh, German stuff, yeah, and then naturally that led to Jewish stuff. No, I was talking about I'm yeah, we talking the dude's talking about my book 23 that he wrote. and me. No. Yeah. We'll get back to that in a minute. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use. And you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. The 23 and me, it's, I'm, uh, you know, over 50% English and I'm some percentage, you know, Irish and whatever else. And then just other types of white people, not much German or anything. Katie is also mostly English, right? And Crowder's an English name and Wooten is an English name, right? But when we were getting married, we were some discussion of like, is she going to change her last name? I'm definitely not changing mine, obviously. But like, you know, is she going to change hers? Is she going to like... Uh, you know, is it going to be a hyphen, a hyphenate situation? And we, in thinking of that, we realized oddly you got two pretty, pretty fucking English names, Wooten and Crowder. But if you were to hyphenate them, it sounded very, yeah, kind of, kind of sig highly or whatever. You know, yes, it does. Like Crowder. And uh. It sure does. I'm glad y'all didn't do that. <clears throat> yeah, well, we shot that down immediately upon realizing that. But uh, anyway, yeah, we should. I've, I've heard before. I feel like I've heard conflicting things about German as a language in terms of like, uh, you know, I feel like I've heard it's like it's kind of easy for English speakers to learn, relatively speaking, obviously. Uh-huh. And I've yeah, heard they're right like, there. 
because English is a Germanic language, right? Or whatever. Yeah, we, like England spoke Germanic first before the English language was like even yeah. Like the people from there, because you know Germany had it was all Germany ruled, and then uh, some shit happened. And actually, all back then. Uh, I can't remember which king it was, but there was a king that finally changed it. But like, even when they were firmly the English, the the language of law uh, was always it was always Latin, right? Yeah, Everywhere right. used that. That was the language of law, and they finally changed it to English. They were like, we know some people, and again, and the reason of that is because basically everyone on Earth was encouraged to learn Latin, so that if you come from two different speaking places, it's like, okay, we'll just speak Latin because we both know that one. You know what I mean? And uh, and then he was like, look, we're all firmly English. Some of y'all still speak German, which don't hit for us. So the, the rule of law is now English. So learn fucking English. Don't press two for German. You know. Yeah, yeah. I pulled well, that out of my butt, by the way. Well, Latin was like Latin was like the the official language of educated people, right? Yes. It's like you, yes. If you were if you were from money or privilege or whatever, and you got any kind of formal education, you were going to learn Latin, and that was true yeah. around at least the whole Western world. Yeah. So, yeah, and it just worked out really good because it's like you can't know every language, but if everyone knows two, theirs and Latin, you can communicate with anybody. Right, and I think you said this already, but that's like it. That's sort of how English now works today. Yeah, it does. English is the business language. Um, yeah, right. It's like most you know, most people, and that hits for like dipshit Americans. Like yes, us, it hits I mean? for us really like, hard. Because if that if the the official language of bit you know you go pretty much anywhere and you you go anywhere where they deal in global business or any kind of anything remotely like that, whatever country you're in, they're going to speak that language and they're also going to speak English, 100%. and so that hits for us because if that second language for the whole world was like if Hitler would have won, we'd have bigger yeah. problems. But uh, like if the se- I'm just saying if that second language was German or something, we'd be fucked. That wouldn't hit. You know, no. you couldn't go nowhere. No, that would like, not hit. You go to Italy, try to speak spaghetti, and then Mm-mm. they just then they default instead to fucking hyphen hyphen. Yeah, yeah, hyphen <laughs> hyphen. Yeah, right. And then like Ooh. that don't do nothing for me. But as it stands, they'll default to you know ketchup instead. I don't want this necessarily. <laughs> us. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't want this necessarily to break off into a conversation about what our favorite fusion uh, restaurants are. However, I'm fine with it. But I was mm-hmm. just thinking, you know, it's like we got Tex-Mex, and then they've got all sorts of different types of fusion. Uh, German Italian would really hit for me, like a schnitzel on top of some really good pasta. That'd be fire. Uh. Yeah, I could see that. I saw somebody that there's this. Uh, I don't ever get on Instagram or keep up with any influencers or content creators at all. But there is one dude I sent you. Th- he's a he's Love a that guy. Fo- he's a food content crea- creator in uh, England in London, I believe. And uh, I said it's like I'm not at all gay, but I just. I'd enter into a relationship with with this man if he was cooking for me every night. That's how hard he hits. His, I believe uh, your quote yesterday was "suck him dry for that uh, <laughs> pork." I think I just said "fuck him," but still, it's the same. Uh, the suck you know. him empty. I believe is what you said. Because yeah. also, he's not he's not bad to look at either. Oh, but, he's a great uh, looking guy. And uh, which kind of pisses me off because like he's got it all. I don't know how he ain't fat. Is my thing. Yeah, like he because he eats his own food at the end of it anyway. It's uh, his account. It's a huge one. So some of y'all I'm sure know it's called Notorious Foodie. And uh, it's a great he's one. Like, he's like the only one who shit I want. Like, I'm not, you, 
no hyperbole. He's literally the only person. Well, every now and then on the whole internet, he's the only guy. Every now uh, and then you watch Thomas Straker, but that's because I send you his stuff. He's my butter guy. He's the one that does that all things butter. I would highly recommend him too, for anybody out there who's like super into food videos. Anyway, the, the notorious foodie, he did like a, it was sort of like a chicken parm sub, but it was with chicken schnitzel, I believe. I forgot that right the other day. So that was a, I said, when we were in England, we had Angla Bangla. That was good. Oh, yeah, yeah we I did. Thought. I fucking yeah. loved Angla Bangla. That was like a very nice surprise. I was actually talking yesterday about, you know, we I know that we had mentioned it when we first got back from England, which, by the way, is relevant because this week you will be hearing more from us uh, because we're about to start promoing our book that we writ while we's over there. I mean, uh, by the time you hear this, we will have announced it already. So, I mean, hell, I guess true. we could talk about that if you want to. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. think about it. Yeah, I would uh, love to. You're, at the Angle Bango, like, I was talking to somebody about it the other day. And yep. they were talking about English food and yada, 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 and what the stereotype of how their food is not that good. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, we found that to be true. Like the standard is not as good. But however, what when it was good, it was like some of the best shit I ever had in my life. Like I had two or three items over there that I think about all the time. And Angle Banga is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I um. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, remember those uh, croquettes? Yeah, it's exactly. It's oh, exactly. Dude. It's Fuck, exactly do I remember those croquettes? I'm touching yes. my dick right now. Yeah, they were ox cheek croquettes, oh, right? Oh, God, dude. Oh. Yeah, which if y'all don't know what croquettes are, they're like fried tater balls with stuff yep. that hits in the middle of it. Ooh. Um, and in this case, the stuff that hits was like braised ox cheek. That was at I the. Loved, uh, it was so good. It was at the hotel at, we stayed that at. That was at the, the, hound, the hound and the hare, right? Yeah, at the hotel like so yeah, th- so we were in the English countryside, which is lovely, lovely. lovely. Uh, it's called the Cotswolds, and it's like I wrote a whole thing in the book about how like country means something very different in England than it means here. Uh, over there, it's like fancy and, and parochial in a nice way and everything. And anyway, we're at this little country inn called the Hound and Hare, or Hare and Hound, or something like that. Um, and I wrote in the book that we walked in and the front desk clerk was a great Dane with like a Sherlock cap on <laughs> yeah. and a, and a pipe in his mouth. <laughs> it, was just that, it was that kind of place. But anyway, yeah. they had these ox cheek croquettes that were, uh, delicious. And what was the angle banga meal that we ate? I don't remember what it consisted of. Uh, oh, buddy, I don't know because I I don't know because I can't, I didn't know, I didn't recognize what the, it was like, it was, you know, it was like Indian fusion food, yeah, but I don't yeah. know, I can't speak eloquently enough about, uh, Indian food to, you know, to call out what it was. Also, it's been too long, but it was like, it was a, it was a place with a Michelin star. Yeah. And so and it, it was, was a like bunch a of tasting menu. It was like a tasting menu. So they brought us a bunch of different things, yeah, curries and things of that nature, but non-traditional ones, and it was uh, it was fire. It was absolutely fire, dude. Remember how awesome, like, just the basket of bread and chips was? <laughs> like, they could have just done yeah. that. Like, it was fucking, yeah, it was it was great, man. Uh, big big fan of that type of fusion. But I'm saying, so, I really I really do think that the the German Italian that that'd be good. Uh, so do you want to? 
I mean, you want to talk about the the book a little I bit? Would, I would. I would. We can talk uh, about it, the book a little bit, and then you can go ahead and do your thing. See, I'm loving be... this. Here's what I'm doing. I'm trying, every week, I'm coming into it with some things in my back pocket, but I'm hoping to do what we've been doing, which is just I Bullshit. just sort of I get through in a way yep. that I mean, well, one of the things in my back pocket today was water sommelier. And we did talk about that, and that took us, you know, that's on brand. That makes sense for the show. So. Of course it does. <laughs> anyway. Um, it would be nice if I could remember the landing page that I'm supposed to talk about for the book. Wouldn't that be good? Uh, well, you can find it on all of our social media pages and things of that nature. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, you can check how to, I'm assume, how to pre-order, find out about the book. For those of you that are just tuning in and you and you don't, you know, you haven't listened to the old episodes, me and Trey wrote a book called uh, Round Here and Over Yonder. And the consensus of the book is that part of it, which really relates to this show, is we went to uh, the, the, the UK and we hung out there and we wrote about our experiences there. Uh, what we have in common, what we have different. We also wrote about our beloved home, the South, and the other areas uh, in the U.S., which was, it was fucking awesome. I can't believe it's time for this some bitch to come out. Can you? Uh, well, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I kind of it seems can. like a while it's now. It's been yeah. a long time, dude. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Like, we started, we like sold this book in like the height of the pandemic. Like That's fucking, true. I don't know if we had sold it by 20, by the end of 2020, but like the process got set in motion, like pre-vaccines, height of the pandemic stuff. We were writing. I hadn't even thought about then. that. That's took true. The, took, the, took the trip that we wrote about over a year ago now, you know, like it's been a long, pro I'm not, and I don't mean it to sound like it's long as in it don't hit for me. No, it was uh, great. But. But I mean, it has been a long, drawn-out process. So I mean, yeah. I, I can I can sortly believe it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And we did. And yeah, if you're if you're someone that works at Harper Collins, just know that we've loved you the entire long and drawn-out process, and you've been great. That's who we did the book for, and we're very, very fucking lucky. But yeah, y'all can pre-order it now. I'm uh, I'm I'm super pumped, dude. We've written two. Actually, technically, I guess we've written we've both written two thirds of a book. If you want to break it down that way, you know what I mean. Like we've no. written. We we both we what okay what's one half plus two thirds that's three six know. or no one half plus one third that's three six plus we we have each individually written five sixths of one book okay. which is pretty good that's not bad I never it's thought like, I'd do that's, that that's like you because because we wrote the first book me you and Drew so we each wrote one third of a book and then me and you wrote this one just the two of us so that means you and I have each now written one half of a book one half plus one third. I believe is yeah five six. So we've each okay. written five six of a book, which, like I said, pretty good. Okay, well, yeah, good for us, man. I didn't uh, kind, of, you know. kind of a bummer that we had to like sell a whole another book just to get past having written you know one single one. whole book each. I know, you know but saying? we're but if everybody out there will buy it, we will be afforded that opportunity. All right, uh, yeah, it's uh, we wrote. Like, it's just, it's a, you know, it's a travelogue, basically. It's a collection of essays about our travels, and we've had, uh, most of them were domestic in nature, but as part of writing this, you know, the process of writing this book, we went across the pond to the the uh, the lands of our origin, England and Scotland, and uh, wrote about that. So, that's pretty much the whole, obviously, you get, it's filtered through our perspective, so a lot of it has to do with, you know, stereotypes, expectations versus reality, that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's a good yeah. time. And I think about in like above all else, it 
should hopefully be f- funny to, oh, to it's, read. Oh, dude, it's and I funny. Think it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's entertaining, uh, and and it and it's just a lot of fun. I mean, I would say that especially because of the way we wrote it, like we've written both of our books, it's segmented and it's perfect to put on the back of your toilet. You know what I'm saying? And that is, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I. That's a good point. It's the type of book like our first book was, where you can sort of. You can pick it up and put it back down very easily. Hell, you can skip around, you know, right. if, you, if you want to. I don't think that, you know, necessarily would be the I way to go, but you could. If you I definitely to. think there's going to be some people who they're right going to the part where they're from. Exactly. And then yeah. go back and read. Cause like, that's yeah. what I would fucking do. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was telling you about it the whole time. I was like pretty worried throughout uh-huh. the whole process of writing this that like, People who were from, like, there's, we don't cover literally every single place in this country. It's broken up into segments. There's, like, a Midwest section, a Pacific Northwest section, things of that nature. And then we talk about, like, places within those, like, Chicago or Portland or whatever, that type of thing. But we don't cover literally everywhere. But I was, I've just been worried that, like, people from Chicago, for example, would read the Chicago part and be like. That ain't it. I don't know. I think I don't know what the fuck he's on about. And that, 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 that idea really bothered me. Yeah. And, and I, I got over it. doesn't happen. Well, I, well, I got I over it. to people from every place I wrote. I interviewed people who actually were born and raised in all the places that I wrote about to try to combat that. So I'd like to say that I'm at least pretty confident that it won't be too, uh, too off the mark. Well, first anybody. off, but people are very offensive about where no, they're they from. Do. Of course, of course, I understand it. But even if you got I mean, it, 100. our editor got defensive about the part I wrote about her hometown. Yeah, yeah. Even while knowing that that was like a thing that I was like concerned yeah. about, you know what I mean? It's like, yes, so, Bessie, yeah. if you're listening, uh, that really you really made me mad. I forgave you, but I was like, yeah. God damn it, you have no idea how much how- he's already in his fucking head about this. <laughs> It was the worst possible thing she could have said. Yeah, yeah. I I was spiral because I was like, I was like, this is exactly the thing that I am most worried about. (laughs) I was just never, I was just never really worried about it for the simple fact of like, listen, even if you were a hundred percent correct, there's going to be people who are like, fuck you, bullshit. But secondly, I'm like, this book is written written from our perspective, and when you're writing something from your perspective you can't be wrong. You know what I mean? Like you can, but like, it's not, I'm not someone who grew up there. I'm someone who's fucking passing through. And this is what I thought. You know what I mean? I'm not writing a biography yeah. of your goddamn city. I'm telling you what, what my things were when I was there. Me and you were just two different people though. I'm more easy right. going. <laughs> okay. But like, for example, like when somebody tells you like that lady in winter park that time, who was like, never, she's like from, a fucking 99% white community in fucking mm-hmm. white ass Colorado. And she was talking about how she said, she literally said verbatim, I drove through the South once on my way to Florida and I could not believe how insanely racist the whole South is or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like that don't piss you off. Yeah. <laughs> that, it it, it that did. Type of thing pit, right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I mean. Like I get it. I get it. Cause like, yeah, I get it if too. I'm, it's just like, what are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. It just, I don't want to be that lady, is what I'm yeah. saying. No, I, I, I hear you. But I think I, I've avoided being that lady, though. I'd like to think. I, I like would I like said. to think I that I did measures. too. You just, yeah. Well, you were just like, no, it'll hit. And then, you know, and I'm sure you did hit. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what's going to happen. It's going to well, end up hitting just fine. Yeah. Well, I didn't <laughs> shit on anybody, though, I except know. for maybe Salt Lake City. Just yeah. 
Grand Theft not the people, but just some stuff. There's you'll you'll read it in the book, but uh, but li- but dude, like that's completely different though. Like that is one of the most ignorant things a human. Like most people, even people who haven't been to the South, know that it's not that goddamn palpable. You know what I mean? You can't just yeah. drive through. Now, granted, if you drive through parts of it, if like if you see a bunch of rebel flags, which that is considered racist, like I can totally understand it. But like, dude, that lady was a dumb fucking bitch remember yeah. all the other shit she said oh yeah you know what i mean i, I mean dude i yeah fuck I, that I, lady i talk about that lady and tell the story of meeting that lady probably once every two weeks because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> of, yeah. of how wild the shit she said was but uh yeah anyway. i would just like to hope that like there's not a lot of that ladies out there buying the book you know what i mean but yeah, no, I get it, dude. I'm super defensive. And like, but, but, but another thing I was thinking about was like, you know, I wrote a part, we both wrote a part on our hometowns. I wrote a part on Chickamauga. Uh, I fucking, there's no one here that grew up in Chickamauga more than me. You know what I mean? I did. Like I did, I did. You can't have, and I still fucking live here. Right. And I know that there's going to be some people from Chickamauga that are like, this ain't it at all. And it's like, yeah, it was for me. You know what I mean? Right. That's, that's yeah. how I experienced it yeah um, no, well that's another thing like on that note i remember once we were all in new york i think we we're at the new york comedy festival and we're like hanging out at a bar afterwards with a bunch of like drew's old new york buddies and whatnot and one of those guys had a guy with him out for visiting from boston so there's a guy visiting from boston now this dude it should be pointed out is uh indian american right he's uh so he's a brown guy mm-hmm. from boston Right. And I hadn't really talked to him or met him, but we're all at this big ass table at the bar together. And I'm talking to like fucking Cheney or Lejeski or somebody like that. And I hear Drew like raising his voice over to my <laughs> left, right? Like getting into like an argument. And so I Not sort Drew. of came, I know, right. So I sort of came like, well, this is about to hit, you know, what's, yeah. what's going on over here? And, uh, but what, what was happening? Cause, you know, Drew went to law school in Boston, right? Yeah. What was happening was Drew was in an argument with that Indian dude from Boston (laughs) because that guy was claiming he wasn't, he was not just claiming that Boston really wasn't a racist city. Uh He was claiming that not only that, but that Boston does not have a reputation for being (laughs) a racist city. The first that was thing his argument. you're allowed know, to and say. That, and that's what, t- and Drew's like, Drew's like, Trey, fucking, you know, and I, <laughs> and I told him, I was like, I was like, listen, dude, I've been to Boston like three times. I love it, whatever, but I haven't spent much time. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Boston is a racist city because I haven't been there that much. I was like, but as far as do people think Boston is a racist yeah. city? Like, yeah. bro. Big time. Absolutely. Yeah, big like, time. it's. It's second only to, to the, the South. South. Yes. Like, it's like after the South, Boston is number one in and terms dude, of places people think are most racist in this country. But I'm saying, but that guy was a brown guy born and raised in Boston who, who like insisted that that was not true. So like, yeah, again, you know, what are you no, going to no, do? Like, no, no, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is like, it's totally fine for, but to th- I can't believe that someone as smart as that didn't know that was the reputation. You know right. what I mean? Because like, like yeah. I said, like if if he truly had a great experience and didn't feel like it was as racist a place as it, right. like, that's fucking great. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking glad for him. But like, bro, like 
it like, dude, there's some people that will even be like, bro, y'all think the South is racist. Go to yeah. Boston. You know what I mean? Like, they've definitely got that reputation. And, yeah, again, to everybody uh, listening to this that's in Boston, I'm not saying all this. I fucking love Boston. You know what I mean? But I'm a white man, so, like, I'm comfortable everywhere. Like, Boston is, like, I don't know. It, in my top, It's probably in my top five cities, D.C., yeah. you know, being my number one favorite. But, I, dude, I fucking love Boston. But, yeah, man, I mean, like. Burr has plenty of bits about how racist yeah. people are. Uh, yeah. So, but anyway, um, do you miss I do over think there? It turned out, huh? Do you I miss, miss over there? Yeah, because I do. Uh, I mean, I I definitely want to and plan to like go back probably multiple times over the course yeah. of my life. Uh. I don't know if I'd say I'm, I feel like missing. I mean, I guess you can miss anything. I just like to me. Well, to Are me, you Mark on me. Can you really even miss something? Well, to me, I don't know. Missing it implies more like pining. Uh, I just don't think of missing something that was essentially like a vacation or whatever. Meaning like I miss Tennessee. I sometimes miss, yeah, right. I miss, right. miss college. I sometimes miss working in a restaurant or whatever. Like I miss, I miss when my sons were little, like real little. Jesus, fucking you know what Christ. I mean? Yes, I know. I, know I what just you mean. okay. So, so compared to all time, that stuff, I? yes, I had a I'm great not time. Compared to all that shit, I had a great time, and I want to go back. But I, I don't miss like, it. Like you said, I don't lie awake pining for it or nothing. Well, no, I don't if I pine. Said, if I, you sound like you pine. I feel like I you're pined. pining over there. I've you know, pined. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I've pined. I miss Scotland specifically. Yeah, Scotland's uh, great. Anytime I see Scotland, if I'm watching something, like I've yeah. been watching Black Mirror and it's in Scotland, yep. I'm like, oh man, Scotland rules. I want to go back to Scotland. But and I'm isn't not that like a cool actively thing? walking around missing it though. Like me and Amber talk all the time about how like this is a thing that she pointed out to me, and I was like, oh, that does that does hit. That's really cool. She's like her favorite thing. One of her favorite things about travel is she's like, now, if I've been to a place and then I watch a show and it's set in that place, she's like, I get so fucking excited to be like, I've been there or like, holy yeah. shit, I know that. And I was like, yeah, you know, me too. And like, she'll do all the time. Like when we, we watched, um, I, we watched uh, House of Cards after we'd been in Washington and she was like so much more enthralled with it because she's like, holy fuck, I, I knew that street. And I've started finding myself, because I watch a lot of British murder mysteries and one specific one that I watch is called Shakespeare and Hathaway, and it takes place in Stratford-upon-Avon. And, man, every time I watch it, it's the – like, Amber gets so mad at me. I'm like, I sat on that fucking bench right there. That's right in front of the RNC. And I just – every time I, I – maybe that's why I miss it more than you because I'm, I'm enveloped in British television, and so I see it all the time, and I remember yeah. how good of a time I had. Also, I live in Chickamauga, Georgia. I miss being somewhere – that halfway hit yeah you know yeah, what i mean I get that yeah uh you watched house of cards when well, after i mean after i had taken amber to uh washington but that's been a long time now right yeah 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 so it's pre that's pre-spicy's pre, ordeal pre-rape yeah pre-rape okay. well not pre-rape pre-us finding out about rape. about the rape yeah Man, I wasn't what a bummer kind of value i know dude i look I, hey i've been He's popped up a couple times for me recently, like just random movies I've watched. Like one of them I know was Margin Call, and the other one was, uh, fuck, what was it? There was another one. I just happened, oh, <laughs> Horrible Bosses, right? Yeah, Which is and like, he rules in it. But like he's just, I just happened to pick two movies to rewatch recently, like on a plane or something. Margin Call's fucking great, by the way. It's about the 2008 financial crisis. It's really good. But uh, 
just happened to pick two random movies to rewatch recently that he was in and like bro he's look, awesome it i ain't sucks. saying he or come back he not he no, or not he should come not back. he should not he you know put put him under the prison or whatever but it's but a like, shame as far as just like just talent goes i mean fucking every head must bow every tongue must profess yeah. man he, he was like he was one of the hitness actors we had. Ever really dude. wish he hadn't done all that raping. It's a real. I shot. know. Yeah. <laughs> again, again, like he did, and that's horrible. And yeah. fuck him to death. It's just like, why couldn't it have been any other fucking person? Yeah. You know what I mean? Why? Because, like, yeah, dude, like you, like, and the thing is, like, I do, I do a pretty good job of separating the art from the artist. Because, like, dude, you have to, like, you yeah. have to, because, like. Don't get me wrong. Not everybody is guilty of what Kevin Spacey was guilty of, but so many of our hitting creators and artists were horrible people. So many. So, like, if you just want to, if you want to enjoy something, you're gonna have to be like, that's not him. That's Kaiser Sose. You know what I mean? Like, like I do it. I still do it with fucking Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? Like, people are like, how can you support Hulk Hogan? I'm like, well, I don't really support him. It's just I watch old clips of him. Like, I'm not giving Hulk Hogan any money. But, like, in my mind, I go, that's not – Hulk Hogan didn't do none of that. Terry Bollea did all that shit. Do you understand? Hulk Hogan has – Hulk Hogan's even said this himself. He's like, oh, Hulk Hogan has a 12-inch penis. Terry Bollea does not. You know what I mean? Uh, Is it true that in the world of wrestling – Hulk Hogan didn't hit for people. Yeah, I mean, Hulk was he's basically the first global superstar, superstar right. in wrestling. And he wasn't great to work with. He was very protective of his character, which like I get, you know, when you're a guy, it's like uh, you know, there's a reason Tom Cruise doesn't play bad guys all, a lot. Like he he doesn't want to because it's like he wants to be the babyface hero. He's and I'll, t- I'll say this and Tom Cruise is another one where you're like, well, listen, you got to just put some of that shit aside. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, every time he does play a bad guy, it's great. Now, granted, Hulk Hogan eventually, and this cements him as, I don't know if Hulk Hogan would have been cemented on the Mount Rushmore as easily if he hadn't have turned heel and gone to the NWO because it made, because a lot of people for a long time were like, well, yeah, it's easy to be great when you don't ever change your gimmick and you're just a white meat baby face and you're just cheering for USA, USA. And then Hulk Hogan, he's arguably the best face that ever lived and the best heel that ever lived. I say that the best heel of all time is Vince McMahon. Um, but I mean, dude, like you just, you can't take away what Hogan did to wrestling. And I just go, that's Hulk Hogan. Terry Belay is a piece of shit. You know what I mean? That's a character uh-huh. he played. You know, that's a, you know, and it's it, wrestling like the line between real and fake is blurred so much. But like to me, I look at it the same way as like when I'm watching the usual suspects, I go, that's Kaiser Sose that I'm watching right now. You know? Yeah. But no, Hulk okay. was not loved by a lot of people. I mean, he was making way more fucking money than everybody. And uh, he just well, beat their ass every night. Speaking of making way more fucking money than everybody, I'm dying to hear about this uh, Wall Street witch. Yeah. You want to hear about her? I do. Yeah. Ne- never knew this was a thing. Didn't know it yeah. could be a thing. Yeah. And I don't even know how it came on my radar. I was it probably, honestly, just some sort of Reddit rabbit hole Yeah, that I've gone on, which, by the way, thank you for that. I, you know, I was never much of a Reddit guy. And then you constantly over the years would send me links and it was always from Reddit, and it was always something that hit. 
and I find and 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 I and I was like, I'm not doing it. Like I'm not. I'll I'll look at the shit that Trey sends, but yeah. I'm not. Fuck, I'm not because you know, like the stereotype of Reddit. Oh yeah, is like you know you like you like Reddit. You're a fucking Rick and Morty super fan. Incel, which I, neck beard, yeah, yeah, incel neck beard. Yeah. Basement like, dwelling, whatever. And, yeah. Yeah. And like, I am a Rick and Morty fan, but I don't say that all the time because like, right. I know the reputation that it has. Um, oh, I even, anytime it brings up or anytime it gets brought up, I feel obligated to always say, I'd be like, just so everybody knows I lurk on Reddit. Like yeah. I don't, I don't post, I don't comment. I don't post. I don't actively participate in any of it. I literally just look at the shit that gets upvoted. That's all that I do. Cause it's, you know, it's an aggregator for yeah. what's on there. It's called the front page of the internet, which is right. pretty accurate. So it's right. like, you just see what's going on on the internet at any given time. And a lot of times that shit is either wild or funny or interesting or whatever. And that's what I use it for. But a lot of the stereotypes are absolutely true. A hundred percent dude digging in the comment sections and stuff you find some pretty wild shit but, the, in but what's crazy is is that's half the entertainment of reddit you know what i, I mean yeah but, but like i'm a proud lurker just as 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 you are and it's weird but like that's the only piece of social media that me and you are like that with like the other ones we are firm participants in like we have now to you be. have to be and that's why I, I like being on reddit more than twitter and instagram and stuff is because when i'm on reddit i have no notifications i have right. no dms nothing it's just like right. i'm fucking i'm enjoying this the same way some people enjoy twitter you know what i mean What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. And like, I don't even fuck with the mothers anymore, but like, but like, yeah. So eventually I was like, I've, I'm a, I participated in Reddit one time and it was so raving what happened. Uh, there was a, there's a subreddit called mildly interesting, mm-hmm. uh, that I follow. And so I went to an antique store and I, I saw this little teeny tiny model of a golf bag and it was like a paperweight type thing. And I got home only to realize, holy shit, that's a miniature version of my papaw's old golf bag that like from the seventies. And I took a picture and was like, you know, I've said that basically. And I was like, I'm going to post this in mildly interesting. (laughs) And so I did, I did. And here's the thing. It actually did really well. And I was like, but I didn't, but, but my username is not my name. I didn't want anyone to know this is me. I just wanted to see what it was like to post something. So I post that. And I, but I also had earlier posted that on Twitter from my Twitter page. And there was this girl who like, dude, I got to give it up to her because she was looking out for me. She's DMing me on Reddit going, Hey, fuck face. This is how she opens. Hey, fuck face. Are you really just going to go on Corey Forster's Twitter and steal this for fucking Reddit clout? And I was like, this is Corey Forster. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm sure that Corey Forster has a Reddit profile that don't hit. Yeah, that checks out. You know what I mean? You don't even have any fucking karma. He would have karma, all this yeah. shit. And I was like, no, I swear to God, like, how do I need to prove this to you? She's like, you can't fucking prove this to me, you piece of fucking shit. And I was like, message me on Twitter. So she does, and she's like, hey, 
By the way, I'm messaging you right now just to let you know that some fucking bag of shit on Reddit is stealing your content and using it to farm karma. And I was like, that's me. And she was like, oh, word. And I was like, good looking out. So that's how that experience went. And I've never yeah. done it again. Uh, but anyways, that's besides all the points. Um, Hetty Howland Robinson was born November 21st, 1834 in New Bedford, Massachusetts. She would eventually go by Hetty green she's the daughter of this dude named edward mott robinson and he was like he, he was a successful whale sauce man okay. no, no that's that's funny i wonder if the mott did come from him he was a successful whale merchant and i specifically didn't look this up because i want to do some stuff out of our butt um when when, when he's in the whaling industry mm -hmm. does that mean to get whales it could be yeah I feel like he, they'd call him a whaler if he was out there getting the whales. Right. He probably was some kind of broker, middleman for like whale oil, yeah. uh, you know, or something like that. Cause like a lot of shit back then was lamps and stuff was whale. Oh, they use whales for a lot of stuff. And then, uh, whaling was a whole big thing. Um, but like, is that a, is that a, why do they use whale oil instead? Like, who's the first person that went, oh, we're going to use whale oil instead of, like, regular oil? I mean, it's a more regenerative it, thing, yeah. I guess. What kind of regular oil? Like, like what, dinosaur oil? Dinosaur oil, yeah. Yeah, I don't know when they started pulling all that out. This is, like, the early 1800s. That, that the, all was, like, yeah. happening, I think, around this same time. Like, whale oil predates our ability to refine uh dinosaur oil i, I think uh, oh really so, it, like i think so like i don't think we were me. fucking with all that yet that that's part of i believe that's part of like there will you be know, blood. kicked off the industrial revolution and everything was yeah. like us figuring dinosaur oil out you know you just think to me that it would have been easier like you would have stumbled upon that first because drilling into the earth seems like an easier thing in the 1800s than going out and catching a fucking whale. Cause like, dude, the boats from the 18, like that's, that's insane to have a boat and the technology to be able to capture. A, I mean, I know that Moby Dick's a thing, but like, that's yeah, we've crazy been, as fuck. We've been doing boat stuff for a while by that point. And it was obviously like sailboats, but I'm saying like, you know, we had some, we had some old salts, dude, some salty dogs, some nautical ass motherfuckers who knew how to get down we did get up to some ocean business and that's up to and including, you know, killing all the whales. And speaking of which, speaking of which, I want to ask you an age old question that I don't know if we've talked about on here, but I was watching uh, for the first time, actually master and commander of the far side of the world the Ooh, other day. Yeah. How did that, is that, how'd that go? Cause I only saw that movie once when it first came out and Loved I was it. And people do people talk about it. Like it's absolutely fucking incredible. It's that's great. Part of the, it's an adaptation of a book series that's apparently yeah. a huge series that's supposed to hit real hard. It's historical fiction, and I've I've meant to revisit that, and I just yeah, it's haven't. great. And uh, yeah, okay. I mean, here's the deal with me, and I think you know this. Um, when I'm a fan of one or two actors in a thing, it's immediately going to elevate me no matter what. Like, and to me, Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany are two of my favorite actors of all yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, they. They could be in a dog shit movie and I'm definitely still going to like see it and probably even if it sucks, enjoy just watching this, these two people talk for two hours. But, you know, dude, I love fucking war epics and sea shit. So like 
I thought it was great. And there was a lot more humor than I expected. I and mean, it wasn't like a fucking comedy, but there was a lot more humor than I expected. I believe that came out around the same time the first Pirates of the Caribbean did and got utterly destroyed as yeah, a result it of it, which is it why they do- never made any more of those movies, despite the fact that it was like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean's a fucking carnival ride. That's a uh, like a good movie, you know. Yeah, but well, that's it, the reason that I never... In that's the box the reason office. That- yeah, that's the reason that I never saw it was because I used to be more of a snob and like, you know, I knew that it didn't do like I remember when it came out okay, thinking like a snob would be would yeah, turn his nose well, up at the pirates movie and be like, this is the real. Okay, art I was a reverse snob. I was a reverse yeah. snob at that time. I was like, if it yeah. didn't make a lot of money, it didn't hit. Then I switched, you know, out of the but like when when i heard something was a box office bomb i assumed oh well it didn't hit because if it hit well, a lot of them don't for the record yeah. no i know but some of them do anyways in that movie they were talking about uh this is off the subject here but we're talking about ships in the movie he's talking about how he'd been with that ship for a long time and they'd had to replace all this shit and blah 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 do you think if because this gets asked a lot if you're on a ship for 20 fucking years and at that point none of the parts are original is that the same ship this so theseus is on this ship this is the yeah this is the ship of theseus you're yeah. talking about because it happens in rock bands too sometimes yeah uh i don't know i think it's an interesting question it's like I feel like if people, if a ship is crewed for twenty straight years, especially yeah. if like one guy's on it the whole time, but over the years it has been worked on so much that none of the original parts are there, but they've been consistently crewing it as the Santa Maria or whatever it's called and all that, then I mean, yeah, it's the same boat. I uh, agree with you. And I guess if you got a band, even if all the members are different, if they're playing the same songs and yep. they sound the same way, it's songs yep. made famous by that band. Hell, I guess it's still that band, you know. Okay, what about Skinner? Well, I mean, <laughs> I'll that's set you a little up, different. Dude. I feel it's like different. that's different. That was, you know, but it's a the same thing. Accident. They, yeah, they died yeah. unexpectedly, and then the others carried on, and you know, sort of went a little bit of a different way over the years. So, so. Her daddy was a whaler, and he amassed like a whaler, and he amassed a pretty uh, good fortune. And so Hetty received actually a really good education, which was super uncommon for women in you know the eighteen thirties, eighteen forties. And but what she really got into was the financial aspect of her father's business like she was getting schooled but like she was like watching him and like learning as she went like she opened by like on her own she went to her dad and was like at six years old and was like i want to open up a bank account because I, he's like oh, i'll give you all the money that you need and she's like i know that but i want it to be in an account that i manage so that i can see how that works and shit and uh also at th- so she does this, learns how to manage her own money, and by 13, she's running, basically, her father's operation. Like, he's still alive, but she's such a fucking savant at math, at money, at investments and everything that at 13, she's running, you know, fucking everything. So she in- when he dies... Uh, she he uh, she obviously inherits a significant amount from him, but before he dies, he like she was a, a pretty girl, and so he sends her. He's like, I'm gonna send you to New York because it's time for you to marry a man, preferably you know one who hits. 
you know, because that's how, as we've talked about on this show, if you, you Sorry. would think, what's wrong? I just, people are going to, if people are watching, they're going to see me jump very weirdly, very nebbishly, Cold I chill. suppose. No, I got to, no, your, your audio, I don't know if it'll come through in the fight. Your audio fucked up for a minute for me. Anyway. Oh, I'm it, sorry. Like it, like, it spiked real hard. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to do that on the actual recording well, or if it was just my headphones or what, but it like spiked and scared me. Got to jump. I'm scared. very anyway, sorry. And ahead. I sure hope it doesn't show up on the uh, regular yeah. recording. But anyways, you know, you, you would think it's like if, if you're super rich and you're going to inherit all this stuff and y'all, I mean, they're rich. Like I think that her father's fortune was like sitting at, five million dollars in in yeah. 1830 yeah. something which right. we're talking that's 75 100 million dollars easily yeah. that you would go well okay she's fine she can marry for love but they don't do that like their whole thing is like you marry someone else that hits we combine our fortune and then yeah. tywin lannister legacy 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 right. legacy legacy so she's like He's like, all right. She's like, all right, I'll go. But just to let you know, I'm not really interested in any of that. He's like, go, and I'm going to give you $1,200 as your allowance to get you started in New York. Well, being who she is, she took the $1,200, invested a 1000 of it in railroad bonds, and lived like a couple years just on $200 because she's like, I know I can do this. She was a very, very frugal person and that's a that's going to be something that comes up a lot during this podcast and something that i want to talk about is there are certain people who i don't understand why they even want to have money right (laughs) yeah because they live as if they do not um so she's she's she this is she uh was known as a miser you know we've heard that be talked about with ebenezer scrooge yeah and uh and Normally, I'm like, however you want to live your life, that's fine. But there's a couple reasons where um, she very much uh, does not hit uh, because of okay. it. So, okay. So, yeah, and I'll, I'll get into that. So not only that, um, but he gave her – he wanted her to look really good. So he gave her what is in today's money $30,000 worth of clothes. She sold every single bit of that too, invested in – uh, she had put some money in railroad bonds, but what she did this time was the Civil War had just happened, and greenbacks were were a thing for the first time. Like Civil War bonds, which was like American currency, you know, the Confederacy had theirs, and then greenbacks come out, and it's like this is a money, this is how we're paying for shit. The government's printing a lot of it. Well, I don't know if you know this, but those actually didn't do well from the jump. Like it, they weren't backed by anything. It was just kind of like, this is your, this is money. This, But she buys a bunch of them while people are talking about how worthless they are because she just had, she's just like, I just, I, I know that was like kind of a thing for her is that she would search out things that everybody thought was worthless because her philosophy was most people are idiots. So whatever everybody's thinking about, I'm going to do the opposite of that. So she invests in all these greenbacks. She gets like $30,000 worth of greenbacks. And then a couple years later, Ulysses S. Grant becomes president, and he backs all these greenbacks by oh, gold. Yeah. He backs all of them by gold, and they fucking go through the roof. So That, uh, that, that came up before, but it had nothing to do with this lady. Yep. Like, I can't remember what it was, but... 
the Ulysses S. Grant doing that, what you just said, that that was relevant to some other story that got told on this podcast before. Yeah. It had nothing I thought to do that with, sounded with familiar. Green or whatever, but I can't remember the specifics of the other story now. It's so. funny you say that because when I read that, I remembered that we talked about it, and I actually scrolled through mm-hmm. our podcast feed to make sure that I hadn't talked about her. But then I got yeah. to a certain point, and I was like, I definitely never have talked about that. So, um she she does end up marrying. She marries this guy named Edward Henry Green. Thus, her name is Hetty Green. He was a wealthy businessman. They had two kids. They got Edward. Uh, they go it goes by Ned. They've got Sylvia. So he was like, all right. He was wealthy. He wasn't necessarily on her level, but like he had seemingly a good mind for business, and. Her her dad was always, like, before he died, he was always like, look, a bunch of these motherfuckers are going to come at you for your money, and that's why it's important that you get with somebody that hits. And even if you get with somebody that hits, it's probably still going to be uh, that case. And he left her with a quote, which is, like, so fucking Ebenezer Scrooge. He said, never give anyone anything, not even a kindness. And so she, <laughs> <laughs> not even a kindness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, she really family wisdom yeah and and dude she fucking took that to heart took she it to took heart that, yeah she took that absolutely to heart so her Just husband kicking orphans in the leg on her yeah. way back back home from the fucking we're, factory she owned we're definitely going to talk about in. yeah we're definitely going to talk about orphans and poor houses later but not in a way that you would think um so she she marries this dude, and he was a good businessman, but once he's married to her, he gets like – he's like way more cavalier about stuff because he's like, God damn, like, we really got it, you know? So he starts making these kind of asinine business deals, and in his brain, he's like, okay, I'm taking this big risk, but like if it doesn't work out, it's totally fine because my wife is worth way more than me, and she will underwrite my debt. So he tells all these people, he's like, hey, don't worry about it. We're going to do this thing, and like, listen, if it fails – this is how much money my wife has. And they're like, gee, golly willikers, that's more money than I've done ever heard of, you know? Uh-huh. And he's like, she'll assume this debt. She'll pay it off. Well, he does a bunch of this shit, like, without telling her. And then it, when it comes down to it, she's like, the fuck, I will not do that, even a little bit. Uh, we. She also, by the way, I didn't even know this was the thing back then. When they got married, she had him sign a prenup. She in the 1860s had this motherfucker sign a prenup. Ain't that wild? Yeah. yeah I didn't, again, I, I would have thought a lawyer would just be like, <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, how quaint that you think we would do something. I don't know why I'm doing that accent. This is all in America, right? Anyway. Yeah, but like, no, you're right. Bitch, get out of here. We don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, but no, no, no. But like, there's so many things that she does that I can't believe someone didn't go, you know you're a woman, right? Right, yeah. Uh, but so Slap. she... Not only not only does she not agree to underwrite his debt, she was like, now that I know that you don't hit it business, I can't be with you anymore. You know, uh-huh. I, I can't do it. Like she and, and from all records, like she still thought he was a great man. He was super kind. He was a great father. She was just embarrassed at how much he didn't hit yeah, at business. Too money dumb. Right. Yeah, too money dumb because that's the only thing she gave a fuck about. And like regardless of all these things that I'm about to say about her later, she was unbelievable at money. I mean, she yes, okay, she inherited a fortune from her dad. However, 
if you're not a money smart person, you will go through that money pretty quick. You definitely yeah. won't increase it by 20 fold. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying like, God damn, what a, what an impressive person that pulled themselves up by their bootstrap. Clearly that's not true. But again, if you turn any amount of money into a shit ton more of money, you know what you're doing. You know yeah. what I mean? Because like you give me $20 million right now, uh, next year I'll have $10 million. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> like, like, I don't know how none of that shit works. Like, mm -mm. like, dude, there were so many times I wanted to look up stuff in this, but like, I was like, I'll just ask Trey, like, do you know what a fucking bond is? Like, what, well, what is that? Like, I've heard of them. Like you get bonds. What the fuck is that? I believe it's like where the government, it's like a money rate, a capital raising measure for the government. I think where they issue bonds, people buy them. So the, and people buy them, which means they pay the government money for this like piece of paper. That's a bond right now. The government has that money. So they raise that money and usually it's war bonds or whatever. They raise a bunch yeah. of money to do a bunch of war shit, but that's backed by the U S government. So it's a very safe investment, right? So they'll pay. And then the government will pay you dividends on the bonds you owe or whatever, uh, you know, over that time. And you are pretty assured that like the government's not going to fail, yeah, or whatever, like which means that like your money will be safe there. That's See, very I'm, rudimentary, and I'm trash and money dumb too. But it's like something like that is basically. Maybe I'm a how conspiracy theorist, but like in my mind, I'd be like, well, the last person I want to have all my money is the goddamn government because they could just do anything with it and then not pay me back and then put me in a gulag and keep me silent. You know what I mean? Yeah, theoretically, sure. I mean, am I am I being QAnon here? But like that, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, because because a lot of these people they always try to hide their money from the government is what I'm saying. Like she fucking never paid taxes. Right. Yeah. Uh it's just another like type of investment thing or whatever though. You know what I mean? And like the government's not going to like it's going to try not to defraud its own citizens generally speaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like because if that shit starts happening then you in trouble. Like, yeah, like as a government, I mean, like, and you know, it all that's true. The wheels come off pretty quick uh, if you start doing some shit like that. So, yeah, that's true. And I guess let me I'll jump forward a little bit because I just said that she didn't pay her taxes. And when I heard that, I was like, OK, you can do a lot of shit in this country and you won't get in trouble for it if you're rich. But that's not one of them. Like, you know, I mean, well, it depends. It a depends. whole lot of them don't pay any taxes at all, but it's because they, they get know through the loopholes. loopholes. Yeah, she, right. She, yeah, yeah. From what I read, she just, she just she was just like she said, "Fuck she that." Pulled, pulled a young thug, to yeah. Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam, fucking him, fuck, fuck him. him. I ain't paying him. And word yeah. what? Yeah. Now, yeah. one thing that was like, <laughs> I guess a loophole that she figured out was like she would constantly she moved all the time. She was young thug in jail now, ain't he? Or very close to it. I believe that song got brought up in court, Trey. Yeah, uh, yeah. word for word. <laughs> yeah, right. The judge yeah. said, "Is it true that yeah. you said Uncle, Uncle Sam, Sam fuck him? I ain't paying ain't him. him. <laughs> yeah. M word what? Yeah. yeah, I remember when I read that. It's like it's super hard for me, but I was like, I don't know if that's gonna know work out, that. Thugger. Like, it's a bold <laughs> strategy. Yeah." Uh, but she would uh she would move from district to district before the tax bill from said district came. You know what I mean? She would live in one place and then would be out of there by the time they were like, Hey, uh, you have property taxes or whatever the fuck it is to, to live here. And that's the thing is that she actually, aside from a lot of rich people who were like, I would never rent renting is throwing your money away, which like, I mean, it, a hundred percent is like it's a it's an easy thing to say when you have the money to 
pay for a house, but everybody knows that like that is just a true thing. When you rent, like you are just throwing your money away. It's just that some people can't afford not to throw your money away because if you've told me a bunch and it's it's just true, being poor costs a fuck ton of money. It costs uh-huh. so much money to be poor. And when you're rich, it's not that hard. Like it's not that hard at all. Uh-uh. Like there's so many bit like you get paid money just to be rich. It's you know, so like true. You, it's, it's so something true. you do like you like, you know, I, n- not to get political on this show, but like I remember reading something one time where they were talking about Donald Trump's net worth and they were talking about they were like, you realize that if all the money his daddy uh, gave him, if he'd have literally done nothing, nothing with it, he yeah. would have been he would have been worth more. <laughs> right. <laughs> because like that's a thing you can just if you're rich, you can go here. I'll put it here and that shit will make me money. Mm-hmm. So so this is getting into the, the part where I was talking about of like. Some people that make a lot of money, I don't even know why, because they don't use it to make right. their life any better. She right. would, she constantly moved round and round, and she wasn't staying in like high rise luxury apartments. She would try to stay in government housing, like she would do her, and then they would find out who she was and was like, she would like lie about being poor and shit, and then they would be like, you can't do this. So she would go to seedy hotels and pay like a quarter a day. And shit like this. And this is all she's got kids. If this was just her, I'd be like, whatever, that's your thing. But like, she's got fucking kids and she's basically making them live in squalor because she's too stingy to spend any of her fucking money. Uh, so it's not only that, there's this one story. Uh, she, she excludes, okay, I forgot to say something about her dad. When her dad died on his deathbed, he told her, he like grabbed her by the neck and was like, I was poisoned and it's going to happen to you next. <laughs> okay. Like that, that's what he said. And so because of that, hold on just a second. Let me readjust my headphones. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. My shit was going in and out. So when, when she, he says that he was poisoned and that she was going to be next, she took that to heart. And for the next like three to four years, the only thing she ate was hard boiled eggs because she thought that would be impossible to poison. Okay. You know boy. what I mean? She was like, if I you know, see her, my her egg butt stank, boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. So much of her stank. And let I'll get into that in a minute. She was one of the okay. stinkiest bitches that has ever walked this earth. That right. wasn't a hippie. She was stinkier than most hippies, I would say, even though yeah. she was far from a hippie. Uh but yeah, because in her brain she was like well, if I see an egg and there's not a hole in it, they couldn't have poisoned my eggs. So, like, uh-huh. all she did. So, yada, yada, yada. She's living in government housing and shit. She only took public transportation, which is weird because, like, this is a person who constantly believes that she's going to be assassinated. You know what I mean? But she refuses to pay for, like, people to drive her around. There was this one time her and this dude were, like, having a meeting or whatever, and, like, she gets him on the train, and she's got a briefcase, and in it is, at the time, not adjusted for inflation, at the time, $200,000 that she's got on her. And he's like, are you fucking crazy? And she's right. like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he's like, you, you can't just tr- walk around with $200,000 on you. And she looks at this motherfucker and is like, oh, well, I'm glad that you can afford private transportation but some of us don't have that luxury (laughs) (laughs) saying this as 
unequivocally yeah. the richest woman in the entire world. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's just how, and you know, a lot of people go, well, that's how the rich stay rich. They don't spend any of their money. Yeah, and again, but... and but again, I go back to, then what's the fucking point? Right. Well, dude, I mean, I think with this lady, like, this is like, this is mental illness. It, is what yeah, this I is. know. I kind of feel bad like, for some of like, it. This but is like, some kind of like compulsion compulsive disorder or something like that where it's like she has to make money she cannot spend any of it and it's like you know the just cheap ass rich dudes who like don't tip but like they have a hidden car you know what i mean like that type of thing like that's like yeah that's just being a rich prick and people are like oh i think they got to be rich or whatever but like this is a whole nother level this lady's like something was wrong with her yeah, that's true. Now you're kind of making me feel bad for shitting on her. Uh, wow, fuck her. She but, long uh, dead and yeah, didn't, well, I th- didn't hit, you know. I think I'm going to get to a point in here where you go, okay, yes, fuck her. Uh, I hope so. Well, after all this, she marries this other failure who she really liked, but he um, he died. You know, he died. And so she went into mourning. While she was in mourning, she realized something about – while she was in mourning, she realized that black clothes – were cheaper to clean. She's like, well, goddamn. You know, they don't show stains as much. These are way easier. Uh, And when you wash them, like, they don't bleed, like, all these fancy colors and shit. So she decided that she was going to stick with wearing a black dress every day for the rest of her life. By the Uh way, Trey, I don't mean a series of black dresses. No, I mean the same same goddamn dress every day. And not only that, she did not clean it. Um, Yeah. She would on occasion clean it, but what she did, and by the way, she negotiated everything, everything. There was, she never once spent full price on anything. Like if somebody refused to negotiate with her, she just wouldn't get it. So like she's worth billions of fucking dollars in today's money. But if she's going to buy an apple for a, from a local vendor, she's like, I'll give you two pennies and nothing less. And if they were like, I can't afford that, ma'am. She was like, fuck you. I hope you die. I'm going to go eat a hard boiled egg. You know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So so what she would do was when she would go get her dress cleaned, she would only request that they cleaned the hem of it because that's where all the dirt and stuff was, right? And she would negotiate with the cleaner. She's like, you're not cleaning the whole dress, so I'm not paying you full price. Even though they would be like, listen, it takes the same stuff to do that. Like, I don't like, but she wouldn't do it. She's like, do you clean this hem? I'm giving you, that's one sixteenth of the dress. I'm giving you one sixteenth of the money. Now, obviously that was not the only part of her fucking dress that was dirty. Right. Because this woman was also, aside from the hard boiled eggs, she lived on a diet of like raw onions too. Cause she thought that was good for her health. So <laughs> fucking raw onions getting Lord, all over bro. her dress. And just that when a woman back then wore a dress, she also had like a petticoat under it, a goddamn uh-huh. this shit. She was sweating her fucking ass off. Of she course. Thank so bad. She stank so bad that people that worked for her in her office would stay at the furthest corner of the office away from her because it was just horrible. There was literally mold on her dress walking around from where she wouldn't clean it. So they would stay away from her. But by the way, Trey, this wasn't actually her office because getting her own office would cost money, right? So what she would do is that Every week, she would get a new office by going to a bank that she held a lot of money in, right? And she would go there and be like, 
I need to use one of y'all's offices this week, and if you don't let me, I'll take all of my fucking money out of your bank. And they, of course, were just like, okay. So, And she would do this. like She had like 13 different banks that she had money in, so she would rotate week by week these fucking offices. This is how this woman lives. Um, so, like I said, she didn't have a permanent home. She lives in, in cheap motels. So here, though, is where her frugality um, really pisses me off. When her child, her son, uh, Ned, when he was nine years old, he fucked up his leg. He, like, uh -huh. broke it, and there was a cut, right? And so he requires medical attention. He's screaming. His leg is broke. He's fucking nine. But she's like, okay. So she disguised herself and went to a free clinic trying to get free care for his leg. Well, they knew who she was, and they were like, you know, Mrs. Green, this is for the downtrodden. This is for the poor. You can literally afford the best medical care in the city for your child. And wouldn't you want that? And she was like, nah. So she just let the boy's leg heal on its own. And yeah. he got gangrene and they had to amputate the leg. Uh-huh. Yeah. You'll so have fuck that. her. Yeah, yeah. You will have that. So they, I they, agree. they, yeah, um, I'm sure she was like, look at all these other nine-year-olds limping around with dirt on their face. He'll be <laughs> fine. It's a now, thing right now. Yeah, Hell, yeah, they're what? in books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, to her credit, it wasn't just her son's health that she was flipping about. It was also her own. She had a hernia, and she let the hernia go for years untreated until she literally couldn't walk. And she had to do something about it and then got, and the reason that she wouldn't do anything about it, she, at one point she goes in to do something about it and they were like, you're going to have to have surgery. That'll be $150. And she said that she could not afford that. There was just no way that she could afford $150. That was ridiculous. Finally, when it got so bad that she couldn't walk, she had, uh, the surgery. Right. But she, you know, she had her, her kid's leg was fucking amputated. She got mold on her fucking dress. Um, she eventually, passed away in 1916 after having several strokes that she did not get any help for at uh -huh. all. You just fucking having strokes. She left uh, all the money to her son and daughter, to Ned and, uh, oh, fuck, what was her name? Rayleigh, Riley, uh, Sylvia. <laughs> None of those things. Uh, Ned and Sylvia. Uh, Sylvia, who was a sweet girl, took all of the money, she married a guy who, who did well, and so she took all – they split this fortune, which, by the way, in today's money is estimated to be anywhere between $2 billion and $5 billion. So real money. Like yeah. not, not some chump hundred millionaire. <laughs> you uh -uh. know what I mean? Like, dude, 2 and $5 billion makes so many rich people that we know of look like peasant mother fuckers mm -hmm. like do you, do you think that someone who has two billion dollars looks down on someone that has one yeah uh, for sure one billion i don't know but like 600 million yeah yeah 100 percent. right you, you know what i mean yeah yeah so they leave this fortune to them they split it so these kids are getting you know conservatively a billion dollars a piece um she sylvia gives every single bit of the money to charity she's like i don't need it i got a guy and she's like, I don't really like the way that my mom did these things. I think this money should go to help people. Ned, um, with his one leg ass in yeah. a wheelchair, he spent the rest of his days flossing his ass off. Well, he that's bought all right. a, 
Oh, it's fucking great. I'm proud of him, dude. His yeah. mom took away his fucking normal life. You know right. what I mean? And he was like, dude, fuck all this. So and he wasn't a bad guy, but he just like, he spent his money on getting hot women, buying yachts, buying real estate. And, but like, the thing is, is that when he had also put some of that money in bonds and made considerable investments along the way. So when he died, he actually still had left almost what the actual fortune was. You know what I mean? Because as I said, rich people, money begets money with rich yeah. people, as long as you're not stupid about it. And then when he died, all that money went to his sister, Sylvia, and she gave all of that away to charity. So the woman who was taught never give anyone anything, not even a kindness, still had all of her fortune given away to charities and hospitals after she died. Which is? And, and that is Hetty Green, a.k.a. The, I didn't even say why she was the witch of Wall Street. She was the witch of Wall Street for several reasons, but when she started wearing all black, that's really when it cemented yeah. as she was the stankin'. witch of Wall Street. Yes, yeah. witch, stankin'. So that's that's Hetty Green. A very interesting, I cannot believe that fucking Meryl Streep has not played her in a movie. Right. Uh, I mean, Meryl Streep played, like, because it kind of gives me Devil Wears Prada vibes, except for, like, even worse. You know uh -huh. what I mean? So a very interesting uh, figure from the gilded age i like it hit for me oh thank you try thank you for thank listening you for that yeah would you like to do some air mail air sure, mail yeah. why not okay we've got a couple why here okay. let me go let me go to him do you heard the thing about where the beatles jacked off in front of each other no is that in the air mail uh, no i was just wondering because we were doing no. sort of poll or ringo Can we save save it for later you yeah, think you remember that can. next week? Because I actually have something that's sort of relevant for that. Weirdly. Yeah, okay. We'll remember. Anyway. Yeah, okay. Um, this is a subject Mozart. By the way, guys, I forget to say it sometimes. You can send us airmail by going to puttingonairs at gmail.com. Sending us whatever. And I'm so glad that my plea for more limericks was answered by the Airhead Nation. Hey, Trey and Corey, I'm a big fan of the Skewniverse, and I also happen to be a classical musician. I wonder if Ayo. I'm the only inhabitant of that Venn diagram. Yeah, so I love probably. that you probably, yeah. I don't know if, uh, if, uh, who's the cello feller that I met that one time? Yo Yo Ma. I don't know if Yo Yo Ma's listening to the podcast. Yeah, probably not. So I love that you talked about Mozart and his fondness for poop and fart jokes last week. You inspired me to write this limerick. There once was a maestro named Wolfie who sang Lick My Ass in a low key. His tunes were high art, even ones about farts, and he and he won every musical trophy. I love that. Nice. Uh, like other, than Mozart, other than Mozart, classical composers aren't known for their humor, but here are a couple others that might be interesting POA fodder nonetheless. J.S. Bach, 1685 to 1750, he once got arrested for being drunk and disorderly, and he fathered 20 children. Eric Satie, 1866 to 1925, he wouldn't eat any food that wasn't white, and he wrote a very funny explanation of this and other eccentric habits. He also wrote a piano piece where one short phrase gets repeated 840 times, and it takes more than 18 hours to play. Uh, Karl Heinz Stockhausen, uh -huh. 1928 to 2007, uh, did not see that guy dying after Chingy first album came out. 
Uh, rumor, has it, rumor has it that he believed he was from another planet and he was just generally bug fuck insane. He wrote a string quartet where each of the four musicians have to ride in separate helicopters while performing together via video. Thank you for the many hours of enjoyment you bring, and I hope you'll come perform in Michigan sometime. Love you, Linda. It's okay to use my name. Glad I read that. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Subject line, listen up, motherfuckers, in all caps, and a limerick. Hi, y'all. The last time I wrote to y'all, you bitched about how long my email was, so I'm going to try to keep it short here. I'm from Pennsylvania, and I used to live in South Korea, but I moved back to the States to take a job in Connecticut a few months ago. It's been a weird adjustment. I keep randomly bowing or responding to people in Korean, but I turned one of my new coworkers into a POA... Uh, into a POA, onto POA. Jesus, I'm sorry. Hi, Kristen. She's the mom in our office, and I love getting to hear her thoughts on the earlier episodes. She just heard y'all arguing about squirrels, and she said she almost had to pull her car over when Trey was talking about paying his own child support because she was laughing so hard. Now I'd like to share a limerick I wrote inspired by my time in Korea. There once was a very small child whose parents assumed she was wild. So they put her in school, which she did not think was cool, and I've never, not once, seen her smile. See, this child was born in Korea, and her parents were not quite agreeable to the subject she studied, and so her mo motives were muddied, but at least her college is freer. <laughs> Maybe this limerick is a little bit shitty, and I don't think... I don't think it makes sense as a ditty, but at the end of the day, we all want to play, and there ain't nothing to do in this city. Life sucks a lot, but y'all make it a little funnier. Love yous like chicken, giant flying spaghetti monster, bless y'all. Please don't use my last name, Allie. Hey, Allie, thank you. <laughs> thank you all. That was, uh, yeah. Back, back to back, or just That's one right. big ass one. I don't know how the rules work, but either way, I was uh, impressed. That was really nice. Yeah, we'll end with that one. I've got a couple more we'll save for next week, but they are very, 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 very long. Uh, y'all can email us, on, and that's fine. Uh, y'all can email us, puttingonairs at gmail.com. We really wish, as we say a lot, if you loved it. And by the way, thank you, Allie, for turning Kristen on the POA. We do think that that's the best way. Um, we can share stuff all we want, but word of mouth is great. If you like this show, it stands to reason that someone with similar interest, a.k.a. your friend, would like this show as well. Um, I would also like, if you don't mind, to go to parttimefunnyman.com and subscribe to my Substack where I do bonus stuff. And, Trey, you've got some exciting things, correct? TreyCrowder.com, see tickets and watch my special damn boy on YouTube. Yeah, I got a lot of dates coming up later this year and in 2024, and I'm still adding many more all the time, so come and see me trycrowder.com or you can go to patreon.com slash trycrowder if you don't want to do that or you can do both get some bonus shit from me and uh, watch weekly skews and all that stuff I'll and, do it and pre-order our book you can pre-order oh, yeah. our book pre-order our book go to our socials yeah. and uh, uh we can put it in the description to here yes and also dale uh, you're lit we need to remember we should we need to add that to my website too uh, i don't know that's if right by friday but yeah so at some point, also on TreyCrowder.com, you'll be able to, there'll be a link to the book. That's uh, right. And as yeah. always, we encourage you to stay fancy. Stay fancy. Motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. Skew. Skew. Here's Lydia Loveless. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Royalty and rednecks are alike. They both like cutting and picking fights. Biscuits and baked beans where they don't belong. Sit on down with Corey and Trey and learn some fancy.
see shit today will laugh a little even when they're wrong they'll take you to a magical place where if you call someone a cut nobody cares they keep it debonair at putting on airs putting on airs putting on airs